and welcome to Trek Companion. This is episode 990. I'm your host, Brian Williams. I am Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. And today we're discussing Next Gen's fifth season episodes, Masterpiece Society, or actually, is it the Masterpiece Society, I believe? I believe the uh, Conundrum and Power Play. Here we go. The Masterpiece Society, Season 5, Episode 13, Production Number 213. Original air date, February 10th, 1992. Directed by Winrick Colby. Story by James Kahn and Adam Belanoff. Teleplay by Adam Belanoff and Michael Piller. Music composed by Jay Chataway. Guest cast include Ron Canada as Martin Binbeck, John Snyder as Aaron Connor, Day Young as Hannah Bates, and Sheila Franklin as Felton. <laughs> The Enterprise moves in to help after detecting a stellar core fragment heading straight for a human colony on what was thought to be a deserted planet. Picard contacts the colony's leader, Aaron Connor, with an offer to evacuate his people, but Connor refuses, telling Picard that evacuation would destroy his genetically engineered society. No one in this society would be blind, for example. No offense intended. I can see you just fine, sir. Yes, well, my point was just... Thank you, Martin. Perhaps you've also made it clear there are still a few imperfections we're working on. The Masterpiece Society. You know what's interesting to me about this episode? It's, it keeps going in a way past what we normally see, you know, and, it, and that's narratively. And, and that's because it isn't about the kind of things these episodes are often about. You know, saving the planet isn't, you know, it's a minor bit of the story, right? It's kind um, of a B. Yeah, but I really, it's, it's an interesting structure, because I actually looked at the clock on it. You know, these are, what, 44, 45 minutes long. They saved the planet at, like, 31 or 30 minutes in, mm-hmm. you know? And there's still a significant, there's, a whole, like, a whole act or more left in this episode. Um, so it has a very interesting structure. It feels like it's longer than it is, and I, I mean that as more of a, in a positive way, not a negative way. Um. That was the first kind of interesting thing for me. Another interesting thing in researching this episode, uh, kind of wildly disparate responses to it. Even the people that made it, there were some that thought it turned out really great and some that were very disappointed in it. Um, uh, and then fan reaction was pretty varied too. Um, and I know personally I feel like I've evolved a little bit on this episode. I think I, think I didn't care for it so much at the time. But I think for me, and this is exactly what we're going to be discussing right now, but for me, I think it's, it holds up, it's improved with time, uh, because as maybe some of the, you know, scars in fine leather have, you know, uh, dropped away over time, um, as everything else has kind of <laughs> been blemished, um, that it's actually trying to be about something. I think, you know, and this is a good example of the point of our, of our podcast. You know, I know we have new listeners occasionally, and I, I probably should say this more often. Um, but if the purpose of our show here is to discuss what are these episodes about, and if we if we find the ones that, that are trying to be about something, or the ones that hold up, the ones that explore, you know, kind of universal themes are the ones that hold up. Um, this is kind of the perfect example because... At its essence, it is trying to be about something, and even when the other stuff misses, I think overall this is an this is an oddity in that it actually has gotten a little bit better for me over time because the entire episode really is about something in a way that even some of the best episodes don't focus on themes as much as this piece's singular focus on a theme. So, yeah, it's got some problems. It's not a great episode. But um, I appreciate watching it a great deal, and I, I enjoy it, and I think it's good. Um, that's uh, my long first thought. <laughs> uh, no, I, I agree, Brian. I, I, I agree with you. I actually liked watching this. I liked this episode a lot more than I remembered liking it way back when. So um, I'm kind of with you. There. there are some things that I don't like about this episode, mm-hmm. but overall I agree with everything you said so i mean we're in agreement today brian wow well i guess we're three for three because i in fact 
took a note, took notes that said exactly, I like this better than I used to. Um, wow, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm shocked that we all thought that. <laughs> right. Well, well we're doing 90 shows. Anything's possible. <laughs> I, I think, I think it's, it's reasonable that that is the case, though, with this episode because it's, you know, it's light on the action adventure sci fi elements, but it, it does, like you said, at its core, it, it has some, you know, serious themes and it gives you something to think about and fairly complex in that regard, you know. And then although there's a romantic element, sometimes that they can they can make that and it gets a little silly or something, but I didn't I didn't feel so much so in this case, you know. It's yeah, not like they dwell on it too much. Even you the know? romantic the romantic element um, it's great because it really it actually plays into the narrative of the piece here, right? I, I, you know, because um, Troy's influence on him, even if he, you know, he can't regret it, even though it's basically meant the end of his society as he knows it, you know? Mm-hmm. Because I think that her, their relationship, um, as fleeting as it may have been, he found her so intoxicating in a way that he never has any of the so supposedly perfect people in his species that it's that it allowed him to open up to the possibility of um leaving uniqueness that well i was going to say uniqueness of a person uh design in imperfection um the beauty of imperfection uh, it allowed him to open up to that possibility just enough to allow people to leave and it wasn't enough that he was going to leave but in allowing these people to leave he's He's really making some fundamental decisions and about and changes regarding his entire society and their entire purpose and way of life, you know. So I think that the relationship stuff, and you know, they kept it good enough. The other couple of lines, you're like, eh, you know, this is so wrong, and then they kiss, and like, you know. I mean, I don't, <laughs> yeah, I, but it I didn't go too far, like you said. I right. Think. Yeah. It was pretty much over before the planet was saved, I believe. Right. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. You no. Know, so it does have a practical effect. On in 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 a, in, a, in a real thematic relationship uh, to the whole theme of the narrative, which is what we're talking about. So that's why even the relationship stuff doesn't, you know, didn't bother me like I, maybe it used to. I'm not sure I saw that. The, I'm not sure I was conscious of that maybe when I first saw this 20 years ago or something, you know. Mm. Um, so maybe that's why now when I watch it, I I can see how. How razor focused the razor sharp focused the themes are, and even those elements of the story that I thought maybe weren't focused on the theme, in fact, were. So, what didn't you like about it? Um, it's got a lot kind of going on in a weird way. I mean, the th- thematically, it's very focused, but. Structurally, it's a little bit. It's a little bit odd. Um, I think maybe it was, you know, you've got you've got you've got that relationship we were talking about. You've got the Jordy um, Hannah stuff. Um, it feels just the littlest bit um, like too many too many moving parts or something. Um, I I, know, I read a lot of people, like especially the producers, complaining about the guy that played. Um, what's his name, Connor? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. You know, he didn't bug me, but a lot of people he did. So, that, I don't know, did he bug you guys, his performance? No. The only thing that bothered me a little bit, I thought they were a little over the top with Jordy. He got a little, yeah. a little too defensive. I thought that was a little over the top. I th- thought that kind of roughed up that relationship mm-hmm. because she didn't do anything to... She wasn't judging him, let's put it that way. It was the other guy, and so him taking yeah. out his frustration on her seemed a little bit... Well, I think it's because it seemed unnecessary. Like, he's he's a smart enough guy that he didn't need to point that out, and she's a smart enough woman that she would have seen it without right. him pointing it out, you know? Um, so by today's standards, it's not exactly subtle. Uh, they probably could have gotten away with that being a little bit more subtle, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that too. And no, I didn't think the um, that actor he didn't bother me. I mean, he kind of I guess he got a little bit of a strange demeanor and a way of speaking and such, but I don't know. It, it's a little bit politician like and yeah, that's that what he is, yeah. so you know. I'm I'm glad that it wasn't like don't get me, there's there's an element of and you talk about what's what other what are the problems with this episode? Well, there is a pro- fundamental problem with going down to a perfect society with perfect people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's boring. <laughs> mm-hmm. Where's the drama in that? 
you know. Um, so the the drama is is external in a way, in, in an odd way. So that feels that feels a little bit like it drags it down as a, as a general concept. But at least they're not all you know white blonde people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it was pretty pretty varied in race and gender. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot. Of, uh, there are a lot of kind of sub themes. Obviously, there's like a, a crux to this episode and all that. But that's one of the things too is that although it's a perfect people, they did allude to how, you know, the, the course the you have your standard security guy that you know the right hand man the the president type that complains about everything and is is very skeptical. But you know, obviously very judgy. You know, and, and that's going to be a natural thing that happens if you have a bunch of people that that think they're perfect and the whole point is they're perfect so anybody else you know if they're not then there's a problem and so you're going to be judgy types well you know if we if we move that a little bit into you know what it's about well he the current has a line when he's kind of defending the their way of life versus you know uh everybody <laughs> like troy's way of life he says something about if i remember this correctly you know, oh, I remember. So he says, like, he says, you know, you could have a laborer working as a poet, writing bad poetry. Mm. And then he says, or worse yet, <laughs> they could be, you could have a great poet working as a laborer, you know? Mm-hmm. And I immediately thought, you're, you're, place, you're placing value there. You're yeah. saying um, poets are more valued than laborers. And if that's so, how can you not allow a laborer to like strive to be a poet, to strive to be better because you're saying one thing is better than the other. Mm-hmm. And the second you say that, mm-hmm. you should give everybody the, the chance to strive to be better. You know? So that's, it was when he said, or worse yet, that's when, you know, an alarm went off in my mind about mm-hmm. replacing value, placing value. And, and, and if you're going to deny people choice and there's value there, then that's wrong. You know, and Picard immediately says something, um, along the lines of, you know, the unknown makes life worth living. Um, so that that was kind of interesting to me because it seems like that's that fundamental flaw. Uh, Steve, I think you were just talking about. You know, you've got this this perfect society, but you obviously aren't perfect because you're missing the fact that you are placing value on different classes mm-hmm. and, and um, you are being judgmental and you're not recognizing it and that's something that perfection that's a flaw therefore mm-hmm. you're not perfect you know yeah they had Ricard be the counter to that you know well there he had I really like the scene with him and Deanna in his ready room I believe in the first half of the episode where he's explaining to her what you were just talking about that you know the value of, of not knowing you know those kind of things. He was making the counter argument, and then you know, at the end of the episode, it's kind of I always thought it was weird that these two didn't meet until the very end of the episode, and they had that nice scene at the end where he was telling him that he wouldn't. He, they're human, and he he won't deny them access to the Enterprise, and all that scene was real. I thought it was a good scene. Mm-hmm. Well, the um, another thing I wanted to bring up the the scene when um, Jordy and Hannah realized the we were just talking about a minute ago that they realized the technological trick they need comes from his visor um jordy says something like you know what gave your founders the right to decide that i don't have anything to contribute i basically would have been they don't say aborted but that's kind of the implication <laughs> yeah. right yeah sure now there was a reaction at the time about people saying oh this episode is is um, anti-choice, uh, mm-hmm. and and I know, and I saw that in my research too. Is like Rick Berman said, you know, he's pretty vehement about. Of course, not. We're all liberal TV writers and stuff here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nobody ever thinks like that, and that's not what we meant. That's fine, but we're judging this episode based on, you know, what you shot and cut, and this is what it is. And I can see that argument being made that. That it's saying something kind of like that, and it, honestly, it made me think about even in our modern times, right? So we have, well, I can tell you a little because it ended 
because it ended in a way that I didn't have to make a hard choice or make any kind of choice at all, then I then I can say this. <laughs> so in case we have listeners that are political one way or the other, you, you can't place value. Uh, you can't have a value judgment against what I'm about to say because I never made the choice. But my son is about to turn three when my wife was pregnant. We did have the test done, you know, to see we had the genetic testing done to, to see. Now it came back. Everything was fine. So we didn't take any action. I don't know that we would have. Let's say the test came back and said it's going to have Down syndrome or something. Um, I don't know that we would have done anything. Thank God we didn't have to think about that. But certainly that's the exact kind of thing we're talking about. Nowadays it's, it happens. People get that testing done while there's you know, an embryo in the womb and it comes back and says well, for example, Down's syndrome is one thing that you can pretty much 100% say is the case, right? Mm-hmm. It's just counting chromosomes. A lot of the other stuff, they come back with like a percentage and say, well, there's a chance the child will have this issue or that, whatever. But Down syndrome, they can pretty much say with 100% certainty if the kid's going to have Downs, I believe. Um, and I'm certain there are plenty of people that have gotten those results and saw that and then aborted their child. You know, mm-hmm. And isn't that... <laughs> You know, couldn't couldn't somebody with Downs think this exact thing here or say yeah. this sort of thing that Jordy just said? You know, about yeah. somebody's making the decision that I don't have anything to contribute. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, well, then this episode does seem like it has some commentary about abortion. Mm-hmm. Did you guys think think along those lines at all in this episode, or was I kind of reaching there? What do you think? I can see that. I can see that. I think it's it's time. But it didn't strike you as that way. No, I, I don't. I mean, I I knew what they were saying, but I didn't really ponder it very long. I guess. I I think going forward, and you know, I mean, going forward, the the big the big ethical questions are going to be, uh, you know, about the manipulation of it. You know how how flawed will we allow a human being to be? Flawed, quote unquote, flawed a human mm-hmm. being to be. Um, to be born, you know, I mean, you know, once the testing is, it goes beyond testing and you can manipulate some things or, you know, guarantee, you know, not, not something very obvious disorder or something, but just little things like, well, you want want a high enough IQ or I don't know. That'll that'll be possible, you know. Because this society is specifically talking, this society, if I understand this at the beginning of the episode correctly, but this society is pretty much purely selective breeding. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it's not, it's not like um, Julian Bashir. Right. It's not like Khan, exactly. Mm-hmm. This is doing a bunch of screening and saying, all these parts put together, this is going to make for the perfect thing here. And if it isn't, then we're not interested. Right. You know? So it's, it's a little different than gen- flat-out genetic. It's genetic engineering versus um, genetic man- manipulation. Mm-hmm. You know, and do we as a society, right now our society is struggling with whether or not that's okay. I think we've pretty much come to the conclusion that manipulation is going to be a much tougher sell. But, you know, selective breeding, well, some of us think that's okay and some of us don't. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think it's, I think it's one of those things that it's hard to ever see having a clear answer because I think we can find examples of where yeah, either side you know, the modern abortion debate is like the one debate where I can't see like, it could be a kajillion years from now and we could still be having the same argument because it, mm-hmm. each side has such fundamental differences and logic to their position. A lot of other modern things that are, that are debates I don't know, gay marriage I don't care how you feel about gay marriage, but in 50 years, people are going to look back on our society at the people that were against gay marriage, and they're going to think it's funny. That's yeah, a fact. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> and it's, in fact, I'm probably being way generous by saying 50 years. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. But 50 years from now, I bet they're still going to be having an abortion debate. Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, I think, well, you know, while we're heading this direction clearer to what it's about, I mean, I think that comes down to it is, is it's not so much... Um, I mean, you know, Jordy mentions, uh, do I have something to offer, you know, someone like myself, et cetera, et cetera. But it's really the notion of where do you cross the line? If you, the question of, are you, 
when you take away random chance, when you take away um, just possibilities and try to plan, what do you do to a society at large? You know, essentially, they um, their evolution of sorts was interrupted. They had no reason to 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 create anything new, to evolve and and, and build new things and and grow their knowledge because it's that whole notion of is necessity really the mother of invention? You know, in a, in a way, I mean, if you have no reason to adapt, if you you get you just mm-hmm. hang out and you're lethargic and or you just uh, you know I got everything I need I'm good you know if you don't you don't have any reason to make a change what's gonna you know how how are you gonna get there how are you gonna grow you know in a way and maybe this is a bit of a stretch but in a way this may, this episode made me think about like what is the what is the point of society at all <laughs> what is the point of civilization at all um, sounds like a dumb question but really what is the point is are, should we be striving as a society to just improve the lives of, of you know, less fortunate people. Um, is society about perpetuating the species? Is it about like making art? I don't. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> um, I guess uh, when I, I guess look that at something like you ask. Yeah, but when I look at masterpiece society, it seems like the point of their society. Like I, I don't see how they're. I don't see how they they're evolving. So for me, I know one of my favorite movies of all time, 2001 A Space Odyssey. Mm-hmm. Maybe my favorite movie ever. Nah, Seven Samurai. 2001's like in my second or third favorite movie. It's a very, very, very incredible movie. I can still watch it seven days a week. The theme of that movie, the point, is evolve or die. Mm-hmm. You know, in that film, if you don't evolve, if you don't figure out, if you're the ape that doesn't figure out how to use the tool, you get killed by the ape that did. You know, if you don't figure out um, how to get off Earth, you know, you're going to die. As a, you know, it's, it's every single step, evolve or die. So when I look at Masterpiece Society, you know, it made me kind of think about these things. Where is their evolution, you know? And it seems like such a stagnant, just genetic pool i don't know and, and, and you know that 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 idea of evolve or die you think about um uh, darwinian genetics and mutation um if the history of our planet is replete with advances because of a millennia after a mutation um where when is that happening here you know well, what's kind of funny about um, this episode when I was Metaphorically, watching, you know, I mean. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you mean you watch this episode and you have the, the scientist, you know, who, who works with Jordy. Sorry, I can't remember her character's name, but Hannah. she, Hannah. So she obviously had that human drive for, of curiosity. It seemed kind of odd to me that they, it, for a little while, I thought, well, would, would they just, um, you know, breathe that out? That how, you know, how could you, like, um, because, like, they have these walls around them and they have this planet around them. How, you know, as a human being, you as um you have that natural instinct to see what's on the other side of the wall, and that's just I'm kind of curious how they, mm. just in my own little mind, like how do they work that out where you don't have like um curiosity? Yeah, the other- that's a great that's a great point. You know, look at where at this point, how has humanity, how has Earth human, how, how have they evolved? Their their purpose now is 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 exploration. You know, that's Picard's purpose. That's the Federation's purpose. That's his ship's mission. You know, that's that's what he has chosen, uh, Picard and all his crew. That's what they have chosen to dedicate their lives to. And at the end of the day, you know, you're going to have a book there that some other guy can read to find out about this planet and that planet because they went there. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. there's it does seem like there's just this lack of, you know, like when H- Hannah has any sort of drive, it's only because it's like sparked because she gets to spend a few minutes on the Enterprise and now she wants to get the hell off of, mm-hmm. of, of her, what is it, Moab 4 or whatever. Yeah. So, um, and, and then I guess it kind of starts to come back around to a lack of evolution can be boring. <laughs> yeah. I think we covered what it was about. It was a long yeah, time. I think what so. about? And that's why, you know, I think it's a, it's not a, 
it's not a perfect episode, and there are, there are perfect episodes. This is not one, uh, but it's it's pretty good, and it's and it's gotten better with age because it was really well, the themes hold up. Trying to be about something, yeah. If anything, even even more so today, I think. Mm. Yeah. All right. Six degrees for masterpiece society. Steve, you going first or second? I'll go first. Day Young plays Hannah Bates, the scientist that decides she'd rather hang out with the motley crew of the Enterprise than go back to her stuffy masterpiece society. In DS9's fifth season, she played Arissa in the episode A Simple Investigation. Odo protects Arissa as she attempts to escape the Orion Syndicate and secure a mysterious data crystal. What data is on the crystal? Hmm. Hmm. I don't recall. Mr. Caesar? Was it her true identity? You are correct. It was her true identity. She had Her mind had been wiped so that she could effectively go undercover with the Orion Syndicate. And, of course, she gets uh, her true identity back and realizes that she's, like, married and then she can't be with Odo anymore. Mr. Caesar, Ron Canada plays Martin Benbeck, the judge-ish guy that saw the terror of the Outsider's influence coming a mile away. In DS9's fourth season in the episode Rules of Engagement, he played the Klingon Chapak. Chapak is the Klingon prosecutor trying to extradite Worf for destroying a Klingon civilian transport vessel. Who is Worf's defense advocate? Um, that would be Captain Sisko. You're correct. It was Sisko. Adam has two. Moving on. Conundrum, Season 5, Episode 14, Production Number 214, Original Air Date, February 17, 1992, Directed by Les Landau, Story by Paul Schiffer, Teleplay by Barry Schkolnick, Music Composed by Dennis McCarthy, Guest Cast Include Michelle Forbes as Ro Laren, Eric Anderson as Kieran McDuff, Liz Vasi as Kristen, Eric Weiss as Kane, and Majel Barrett as Computer Voice. <laughs> After being scanned by an unidentifiable alien ship, the entire crew of the Enterprise sustains complete memory loss. Strangely, however, while they have forgotten who they are and what they, what they do, they still possess skills that enable them to operate the ship. The crew accesses the ship's computer, which provides them with the name, photo, and rank of all personnel responsible for primary operation of the ship. But it looks like there's metallic debris right in front of us. Distance, 17 kilometers. The remains of another ship. It's a good possibility. Well, perhaps we were engaged in battle. If they stunned us with some type of bioelectric field, that could have wiped out our memories. Then we fired back, destroyed them. But if that presumption is correct, then we could have sustained other damage. Conundrum. Steve, kick us off. You know, I, I specifically recall the first time I ever saw this episode, I missed the opening. <laughs> and and I um, wow of all yeah. the episodes to miss the yeah episode. and 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 I thought I like missed the introduction of a character because of that McDonald's. <laughs> you know, I was like, Who's this guy? What are they talking about? Executive officer and stuff. So it took me a while to get, <laughs> to get into it and stuff. So, um, yeah, you know, it's fun. I mean, it kind of takes a while to get rolling, in my opinion. This this episode, but um, especially if you miss the beginning, <laughs> right, right. <Yeah. laughs> uh, um, but I think it's it's uh, interesting uh, the way the the crew relates to one another when they uh, don't have their memories and their status and so on. Yeah, I think that's probably what's what makes it the most interesting to watch. Like if you know, here would be a good example of an episode that I would not play to a casual fan, not in a million years, <laughs> not because the things that I found interesting in it are are pretty much purely. I'm a fan of this show, and I watch every episode, and I want the characters, because it illuminates our characters a lot by stripping away all this other stuff, and mm-hmm. we can see them at their core. Um, and it's cool because it, there was nothing in here that was, well, that seems wrong, or that person wouldn't do that. It wasn't like that at all. In a way, it like it like validates who they are normally. Like Riker, the perfect example. Um, he's full-on Mac Daddy in this episode. Yeah, it's, yeah. You know, I think if, if it had been a more modern time episode, he probably would have done something a little different whenever Roe came in with Troy in there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or at least tried. Um, but when all those other weird things aren't going on, he is full-on professional guy, and we don't, you know, he behaves a certain way. 
but we thought we were pretty sure we knew who he really was. And and if anything, this like validates and shows what a good guy he is normally. <laughs> to me, it does. That's how I felt about it. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's what I thought about a lot of this stuff. Like Picard, obviously, what a great leader because he's really. Worf in charge or not, he doesn't even care about leadership, you know, which, you know, the best guy leaders are the ones that don't want it, right, whatever. I mean, he's really trying to just get the data and and analyze it and make the best decision based on that, you know. Um, it's just, so it just, it just kind of, uh, in a fun way, kind of illuminates our characters and invalidates them in a way. But again, not something I would play for somebody that doesn't isn't like really into the show because you're not going to appreciate any of that first of all and secondly maybe the rest of the episode is just okay Caesar what what are your first thoughts here um yeah I kind of agree with both you guys um it's um it's a better fan episode I think if you're a casual fan if you've never seen Star Trek that much you probably wouldn't enjoy this or you probably wouldn't get it I mean not to say it's above your above anybody's head but <clears throat> you kind of have to know the character you have to have pretty good understanding of all the characters to kind of enjoy this episode um if you get for me you have to suspend a lot of disbelief in this episode and and this is one of the times i was able to do it so i could enjoy it i mean you know a lot of craziness happens in the first of the first five minutes of the episode so so (laughs) that's a funny story steve said he missed it but i mean you know first off I, i love when picard you know when the ship when the ship shows up, he's like, you know what? Well, let's not raise shields. We don't know who these guys are. Let's just see what happens. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was kind of funny when I watched it the first time. And then, I mean, you know, just just a, a ray. You know, it's just you know, it's kind of like the the spider fighting Spider Man. That's Stan Lee was famous for. We just made stuff up. And so in this episode, it's just kind of like they have this magical beam that does what it did. And if you can suspend your disbelief for that. You can probably enjoy this episode. Yeah, I mean, if you really think about it, you could probably be like, well. Man, if they can control memory and mind stuff so much, why wouldn't they just apply that against the Lysians in some way or something? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, um, I do remember like thinking, you know, the first time I saw it, like, "Holy crap! Who is this guy with the three pips over there?" You know. <laughs> um, I think that they probably could have made a little more of that. They could have made that. Um. I don't know. They could have just made that character a little more interesting, had him do manipulate things a little bit more. I, I don't know. Um, yeah, and the disbelief thing, you know, when he's getting brain scanned or whatever he's doing over in in sick bay, how did, how would she not like? Now he's not human, is that right? Is he not supposed to be human? Because he's clearly not human. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, you, you kind of forget about that. It certainly got some great humor. <laughs> yeah. The bartender seems to be an artificial intelligence. Can I get you some? <laughs> that that's pretty funny. And of course all the 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 Riker Row Troy stuff, especially the last scene, whenever Troy was it they're in ten forward at the very, very end of the episode and, and Troy and Roe are sitting there and, and Riker comes up to them and, she, and Troy's like, Sit down <laughs> smiling. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I, I, I love how Riker's deep breath. Like, I would not have sat down there. Then I'd be like, I'll be right well, I love back. That, <laughs> I love that they held him, held on um, Jonathan Franks when he just gave that big deep breath. He was like, <sighs> I guess I got to go over there and handle this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Braver man than I, though. I think I would have turned <laughs> that around. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. Hmm. I mean, the the warp stuff is amusing. Him taking charge, and you know, it's all about battle. Yeah, it's cute to see uh, Picard report to him. Yeah, <laughs> I like the way that it was that it was uh, shot from that angle of of seeing Worf like in the chair, and then and then uh, you know in the ready room, and Picard comes in there to report to him. Um, that's interesting. He's it's a little bit quick, you know. Whenever they they discover everybody's identity and Worf. Immediately apologizes. Picard's immediately like, "Mr. Worf, you don't need." I'm like, "Man, he remembered his name pretty well, didn't he? Did yeah. he just hear it like in a list very quickly?" <laughs> um, it was probably something from the hippocampus just popping <laughs> out. Um, so yeah, that's fun. Um, but I guess it's not. 
Uh, maybe it's not the most memorable episode. It, it does kind of remind you of some other episodes we've seen, uh, even from Next Gen. You know, it reminded me of uh, is it Clues? Is that the one where Data is like has to lie? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's slightly reminding me of Clues. Um, maybe maybe that's what this episode. Well, no, because if they did more of a kind of a miss, if they if they played up the mystery more and the investigation more, uh, it probably would have been too close to clues but yeah i think maybe maybe this episode's trying to do too many different things tonally i don't know it's 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 impressive that they pull off such like comedy you know versus um pretty sinister stuff with um whatever his name is fake number one Mm -hmm. but makes it feel a teeny bit disjointed like for for example uh picard expresses his concerns to fake number one and then fake number one has a private meeting with Worf to basically say you know we need to be able to mutiny if we need to be able to mutiny um which that's that's pretty extreme that's pretty dark um but it's the only scene it's the only bit like that in the whole episode it's Mm -hmm. almost i don't know a romulan kind of feel that level of of conspiracy and and uh, totally dark right but it's the only thing like that in the show so it feels a little bit i don't know out of place almost but hmm. was there a particular storyline in here that you guys liked the most hmm did the riker stuff surprise you in any way no, that was funny. I like to imagine that, you know, when, when the camera's not on him, he's macking on several other chicks in between or something. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know how many really, you know, they got worse. how much time passed there. <laughs> well, yeah, he was running around the ship quite a bit. He really wasn't on the bridge because the other guy was the um, XO, so he didn't really have a whole lot to do. Yeah, like, what do some oh, was his job? He was the, he was the second officer. Second yeah. officer. Okay. Whatever that means. Rule number two. Wasn't Data? Isn't Data officially the second officer? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The bartender. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then when they come in, he's like, "Can I get you something? A drink, perhaps, or whatever." You know. Yeah. Um, what's this episode about? Oh, they try to say some things about war and, um, you know, conquering. You know. You know, the Picard at the end, I will not fire on defenseless people. Um, I don't know, is that a stretch? I can't decide if it's more, you know, because I can't decide which it's more about. Maybe that's part of what's confusing is because, yeah, on one hand, you've got this whole the notion of, you know, executing power, you know, when you have a considerable advantage and what's the right, you know, what's right about that, right and wrong about that. And you also have this notion of, you know, how do people behave when you strip you know, strip them of their status and, you know, history and this kind of thing. You know, I, I don't know. Well, I definitely, I think it sounds like we're kind of agreeing that that, that was kind of the more interesting, the latter was the more interesting aspect of this mm-hmm. show. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the stuff that we enjoy watching even today. Um, I think if that had been more of the show, like, I don't know, maybe you don't even need the, of course, now we're way past what the original point was as far as the script that was sold to the mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, producers. But maybe you don't even need the war stuff because like, that—that's the cool stuff here. That's the interesting stuff is seeing seeing how our characters behave when all those things are stripped out. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the Picard Wharf stuff, the Riker, Row, uh, Troy stuff. Even even Troy, we haven't mentioned her much, but like that little bit there. You know, if you had any doubt. About, she still has significant feelings for Riker. Here it is. She's mm-hmm. just hiding them, and we're in a situation now where she's she isn't hiding them because she isn't doesn't know why she would have done that. She you know it takes your brain to hide them, mm-hmm. but you know, mm-hmm. her her she's the one that kind of can feel uh, with her heart in that way. And here it is. She still has these incredible feelings for Riker. He's the only thing that that she remembers. He's the only thing that was her feelings were hit for him were so strong that they survived this attack on the brain right mm-hmm. um, so that's 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 cool that's a, that's a, an interesting storyline you know you could have somebody 
entire memory wiped, and then that's the, that's what brings them back. You know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Eh. So it sounds like we don't have a lot for what it's about. Huh. Um, we're gonna probably keep this one a little bit shorter then, since we went over on the last one. Um, okay. Caesar, favorite scene. Um, favorite scene. Um, I guess I'll go with the the end scene with Riker and Deanna and and Ensign Rowe. Yeah, the comedy. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay, you guys feel good on this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, moving on. Six degrees for conundrum. Uh, Adam has two. Steve, you going first or second? I'll go first. Eric Vice plays Ensign Kane. Uh, he was listed as crewman in the credits. The ensign that found himself in his quarters without knowledge of his identity and only the caring Commander Riker's personal assurances that we're all in this together to pull him through it. Mm-hmm. Um, in season six, he will return to walk Montgomery Scott to his quarters. Name the episode. Um, relics? Yes. Adam, the Edo God prop from the episode Justice plays the Lysian Central Command Base. <laughs> I had a stretch here, folks. I'm sorry. Um, which next-gen character is nearly killed on the idyllic world in the episode called Justice? Um, would that be Wesley Crusher? You are correct. 3-1, moving on. Power Play, Season 5, Episode 15, Production Number 215, Original Air Date, February 22, 1992, Directed by David Livingston, Story by Paul Rubin and Maurice Hurley, Teleplay by Renee Balser, Herbert J. Wright, and Brandon Braga, Music Composed by Jay Chataway. Guest cast include Rosalind Chow as Keiko O'Brien, Colmini as Miles O'Brien, Michelle Forbes as Ro Laren, Ryan Reed as Transporter Technician, and Majel Barrett as Computer Voice. A subspace distress signal that seems to be emanating from a starship lures the Enterprise to a seemingly uninhabited moon. The last recorded Starfleet presence in the area was the disappearance of the USS Exix two centuries before. But Troy insists she senses life. A fierce storm makes beaming to the surface impossible, so Riker, Troy, and Data attempt to land on the moon in a shuttlecraft. The craft crashes, Riker breaks his arm, and all communication with the Enterprise is lost. And you have survived all this time as... Spirits, ghosts. But you're a man who would never believe in ghosts, Picard. Isn't that true? You see, Troy knows you. And so I do as well. Counselor Troy is still alive. Yes, of course she is. I have no wish to harm her or to harm anyone else. What was the episode? It was there was an episode, right, where maybe Picard, uh, Troy was was possessed or something, and they did this thing to her voice, so she sounded totally different and low. And remember that? <laughs> oh yeah, it's that one. Yeah. It's clues that we spoke of earlier, right? Is that clues? Mm-hmm. Because she's the the entity was in her, you know, and then so when it was discovered oh. they didn't get it right she possessed troy again and all that and early ended up yeah. in the mirror and flipped out and all that because that's really it's really stupid um and they don't do that here and i i'm glad <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the first thing i wanted to say mm. um <laughs> she's the only one that changed her voice <laughs> yeah. um who kicked us off last time i forget me oh, who did steve steve uh caesar you want to kick us off on this one Sure. This, yeah, I remember this episode quite a bit from way back when. So yeah, I still like it. It's still entertaining. Um, I did have a quick question though. Was this um, O'Brien's last Enterprise episode or um, Next Gen episode, or was he on a few more? Hmm. hmm. I don't know. I have to look that one up. I, I'm gonna okay. guess. I'm gonna guess that he must come back, or I think I would have seen that in my research. But okay. Uh, I couldn't remember. Anyway, I was, that's just like I was thinking about that when I was watching the episode. Anyway, yeah. That seems I did, like the I, kind of thing somebody would have mentioned, so I, I would think I would have seen that in my research, but I, I'll have to check. Yeah, we'll find out of it. We're, we'll, be, we'll be watching and, and seeing for ourselves eventually. Um, no, I like this episode. Um, one of the things that kind of still, sometimes, I don't know why, but sometimes it annoys me when I'm watching Trek. It's like, you know, like they go down to this moon, it's 
pretty crazy and there's storms and everything like that, but they're able to get out and it'd be like perfect normal weather, you know, it's studio weather. So I don't know. My hope is with, if they ever do another Star Trek episode on television, they kind of give a little bit more realism to like space suits and things like that because it's, mm. <laughs> you know, obviously the, well, that was the plan with uh, enterprise and it lasted all of about three episodes before they <laughs> Fell back into whatever other show did. <laughs> <laughs> it's a planet. We can land on it. Sure, it's fine. But it's a it's a minor thing. It's one of my little minor pet peeves that happens. Mm-hmm. It just happens a little too much. Anyway, um, yeah, I enjoyed the episode. Thought it was good. It's not a great episode, but it's a good, entertaining episode. Well, it's you know, it's it's pretty much just a little action romp. And um, it doesn't really have a lot to say, but you know the action's good. I I love the uh, phaser battle in Ten Forward. That was sure. awesome. That's like that's probably I don't know if this is right, but it felt like more phaser shots in that one scene in Ten Forward than any other single episode of, <laughs> of Next Gen. I mean, it was constant. Yeah, it was great. Well, Tro- Troy's character, she was just just at will just shooting people. It was crazy. Yeah, I like that little moment when she gets like shot. I think it's Worf hits her in her side, and she kind of grimaces a little bit, and then shoots him or something. Mm-hmm. You know, it's good. And this is fundamentally Troy being kind of the leader. I remembered her as being a poor heavy, um, but you know, Sirius playing uh, not being very good at playing the heavy. But I think she actually she does a, a lot better than I recall. I think she's mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. You know, I think yeah. she's, I think she's really good as 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 kind of the villainish person here. Yeah, I feel I don't feel like it's Troy. I mean, I feel like yeah, it's, you yeah, know, exactly. It really feels like it's someone else in there. You know? Yeah. Um, and I don't know that I would say that about uh, Column or Brent as Miles and Data. You know? <laughs> um, they're good, but I think that she's even better. Yeah, we just kind of had a version of lore out there for date with Data. <laughs> well, he was trying to do something different. I know that yeah. he was conscious of trying to do something different than lore. Um, <laughs> Well, I guess lore isn't as in your face as this guy was. Yeah. Um, even Colomini, like a, you know, he does feel like a just a dark O'Brien. Um, he's good. You know, I think that that stuff in Ten Forward between him and Keiko, that's pretty darn dark. Mm-hmm. First, when he walks in and and he tells her to sit down, and then later, you know, is he like trying to kiss her or something? That's I guess, yeah. yeah that's pretty, yeah, that's yeah. the moves or something. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty violent. That's pretty. That's pretty dark. That's pretty bad. Um, well, I'm glad they had the kind of little end scene with the two of them at the end. That kind of. Oh yeah, you definitely. That other stuff was so dark that you really needed it. If they hadn't had that at the end, it would have really felt like it was missing something. Mm-hmm. Which tells you that they knew it was going to be that dark when they were writing it because they wrote that last scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. it wasn't just the way it was staged or something. Um. But yeah, overall, it's, it is just a an action romp. Um, Steve, uh, I, I, Adam, I'm pretty sure you're 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 just watching the Netflix streams, right? But mm-hmm. Steve, you're watching the Blu-rays. Mm-hmm. This was uh, by far the, the most. It was like a minute and a half, or even more than that. Oh yeah, um, I saw that SD yeah. footage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're missing like a hundred seconds or 101 seconds mm-hmm. of film on this one. So more than any other episode, it really because the other ones it's just like three seconds and you blink and you miss it. But right. here, it's so they're missing the footage for some really long takes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So this is the first time it, it bugged me a little bit. This is the first time I watched it and thought, you know, I could see how this could, you know, yeah, mess up some deals for them. And uh, anyway, right. Because it's not just the resolution; it's the color too. Like it's mm-hmm. just that color is kind of lost forever. It looks better. They they did a good job of cleaning it up as best they could. It looks better than the DVDs ever looked. The uh, up to uh, mm-hmm. up SD footage, but it's still yeah yeah. yeah. Anyway, so kind of it kind of bugged you a little bit too. Stuck out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I knew it. Of course, it's you know it's it tells you where it is going to be and stuff, so you kind of are aware of it. But yeah, with that length of the length of the segment obviously it's that's enough you're gonna you're gonna notice you know i wonder if they print that like on the back of the box if they're worried about people like suing them or something <laughs> <laughs> i bet they do i bet, yeah. I bet it's on there they get enough they'd get enough crap from one way or the other about lawsuits but they get enough crap from somebody that feel like okay we're telling you you know okay this is the best we can do it's all you know what do you want us to do you know so here oh. you go. 
Well, you think there would have to be some sort of warning on it somewhere stored, so you're not trying to return it because you think it's messed up disc or something? Well, there's there's definitely when you go to play it on the Blu-ray disc, it has a little message that tells you before you hit play that it's okay. missing some, some footage. Um, I've never heard anybody really complain about it. I think we all kind of feel the same way. It's a miracle that we've gotten this show in HD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would buy this thing ten times over, missing a hundred seconds. Right. You know, of course. Um, and I will at, least have not, at, least, at least it's not one of your favorite episodes. It's just this episode. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. So notable, but not 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 a big deal. Um, well, I kind of also kind of wanted to mention, you know, like where um, where next gen has come. I mean, you know, if we watched this episode maybe in the first or second season, we probably would have thought it was a lot better episode. But the standards kind of is has been raised quite a bit for each episode that they they put out. I mean, you know, you know, I don't think the three of us loved and cherished the episodes that we watched in the show, but we all think they're all solid, good episodes. And, um, and there was a day when <laughs> we would go like two or three shows without mm-hmm. good episodes in a row, you mm-hmm. know? So, yeah. um, even though we may, we may say this episode is subpar, it's still, it's still good entertaining Star Trek episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah but there's even, even the action is, is staged in a way that's, that's, that's exciting. Mm-hmm. You know, that 10 forward fight is a great example. Two weeks from now, I think all three of the episodes we're going to be discussing are fantastic, and I'm really excited to watch them. For example, you know, how often do we have three in a row that are so mm. good? Well, nowadays it's more often. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. But that's one of the reasons that DS9 and Voyager were pretty solid for me, is because. They didn't, you know. Next gen took a took a while, but all of that time building up mm-hmm. was like already there because it's all the same people yeah. making them. Um, but on the other hand, why was Enterprise missing more? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you can get burned out. I don't know. These are different conversations. <laughs> um, I like uh, Steve. I know you're a big fan of this. I like some of the uh, the Federation history in here. Yes, yeah, that's cool. Get the stuff about the Essex and when these other classes of ships were done, mm-hmm, and, you know, mm-hmm. think about the numbers on that. It's, it's kind of interesting. That's before, that's mm-hmm. before, um, uh, Kirk and crew too. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I like that. Um, um, after possessed Troy tells Picard that she is in fact, Captain Schumar. Um, Picard doesn't play his hand at all. He's just, you know, listening. And then then he has a moment alone with Worf. And he says something. You know, Worf asks him if he believes her. Mm-hmm. And Worf says, not for a or excuse me, Picard says, like, not for a second or not a bit. Something like that. Like, mm-hmm. like there's no doubt in his mind that this, these are not the actions of a Federation captain. Even one that's been yeah stuck in this mystery cloud for two centuries. No way. No yeah. way. I like that. I like that. Because when she, when she said it, I wasn't sure. I'm like, well, I mean, you know, you go loony or something, you know. But then Picard has his bit. <sighs> Boy, the trouble that happens you- when Troy comes out of the bridge. Oh, we, <laughs> we think we scanned something. There's nothing down there. Let's leave. And she's like, something's down there. Why? <laughs> well, crap. Next time Troy says anything like that, everybody should just roll their eyes. <laughs> they cover their ears and start going, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. oh, you, you were talking about old ships. I, I actually broke down and bought, bought the little matchbox USS Kelvin from um, the, the first J.J. movie. That's oh, yeah, the, yeah. George Kurt. Yeah, so it's, I, it's a I cool kind ship. of figured, it's a cool ship. Yeah, I, I like to refer to it as Thor's ship, but <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> but yeah, was, when he I, was. I was who, what was he first? There's the question. Uh, there you go. That is a good question. So, well, that's why you should not call it Thor's ship. In fact, <laughs> maybe you should say George's Molinier. Okay, maybe I'll change the name or just call it the Kelvin. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it made me think about that, like old ships and stuff like that when they were talking. I wish they could have shown a schematic of it or something. That would have been cool. Yeah, that would have been cool. What's this episode about, guys? Nothing. Yep. 
it's entertaining. I, 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 it's fun. It's a fun episode, yeah, but I don't think it's about don't, anything. Don't beam down to a crazy moon surface just on the whim of your counselor. <laughs> don't, don't, don't take a shuttle down there. Or beam. Yeah, that's another thing. Wouldn't you, if you're going down to a crazy moon, wouldn't you just have those transporter things with you just in case? Is it, wouldn't that be yeah, like... Yeah, just have those handy, yeah. yeah. But wouldn't you, that seems like that would be part of the emergency equipment in the shuttle. Well, all that crap case. got destroyed anyway, which is a little bit of a stretch anyway. So everyone comes out of that shuttle walking, yet every <laughs> piece of equipment they, that was useful was destroyed. <laughs> the, um, I don't think that thing's capable of warp, warp, right? But one of the, what do you call it? The whole section of the ship is like way scattered over there when uh, Miles shows up and he's like stepping over it, you know. <laughs> but no, mm-hmm. well, that's a little, yeah. Well, it's the one thing that um, you know they start in DS Nine. The, the shuttlecraft started getting better, and then Voyager obviously you had the mm-hmm. the Delta Flyer. But I mean, especially you know the original Trek and especially Next Gen, all, all the shuttlecrafts are pretty like, pretty crappy. I think they did have a runabout. Later, like in what in the sixth or seventh season, we see we see once they made it for DS Nine and had it handy anyway. Yeah, they could film it. Yeah, but they're pretty much just a little metal box in the first two um, Trek series. I think this is a rare example of an episode that, even though it's not really about anything, it's it's exciting. It's staged well. It's directed really well. There's a lot of like fun camera stuff that I don't know that. No, it's spinning around when they're crashing. You may, you may think of this because you were just talking about the shuttlecraft crashing. Or I love when, like, the first time we see Troy kind of and, and Jada and, and Miles walking through the corridor, and it's like this kind of overhead shot, but there's like a different lens, and then you just get this sense of of villainy, mm-hmm. you know, and the way the camera's moving and the dolly and stuff. Um, so, you know, it's a rare example of an, of an episode that, even if it wasn't the strongest script, you know, they really put their heart into it, and it's, it's fun to watch. And we don't have an answer for what it's about, so it's not great. But um, it's entertaining as fans of the show. So we, we, we have, more than once, we have let an episode slide uh, for that reason. Okay, let's do Six Degrees for Power Play. I believe Adam has three and Steve has one. Is that correct? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, Steve, you going first or second? I'll go first. Which of the following was not? Oh, yeah. Sorry, guys. Nobody, this is like practically a bottle show. So nobody came back. There wasn't anybody to come back. Uh, which of the following was... So that means we don't get our normal Six Degrees questions, fans. Okay. Uh, which of the following was not a working title for this episode? The Invaders... Terror in Ten Forward, Feeling Poorly, Schumar. <laughs> God. Uh, the Invaders? Nope. That actually was. The, one, the Invaders, Terror in Ten Forward, and Feeling Poorly were all working titles for this mm. episode. I made up Schumar. Okay. Uh, Adam. In this episode, Miles is possessed by an alien after beaming down to a planet, and he terrorizes his wife, Keiko. In DS9's fifth season, in the episode The Assignment, Keiko is possessed by an alien and terrorizes Miles. What is possessing her? Um, is it a... Um, hell, the, the, the dark Pajoran god, the Wraiths, or the dark Pajoran gods? Uh, well, I just a little bit more to the name Wraith. Oh, I know they're the bad Bajoran entities. How are they called? All right, I've already won it anyway. You can have it, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Paul Wraith? Yep. Yeah. Paul Wraith. All right, 3-2. It was close. But Mr. Caesar takes it for the day. All right. So, yeah, in two weeks we get all good ones. I'm excited. Uh, man, I haven't watched Cause and Effect in a while. That'll be fun in HD, huh? Mm-hmm. Um... Folks, you can follow us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash trekcompanion. Uh, our Twitter handle is at trekcompanion, and you can send us an email. That's trekcompanion at gmail.com. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, oh, you can always leave a review on iTunes. That helps people find us. That's awesome if you have time to do that. But otherwise, uh, we will catch you in two weeks. Take it easy. Bye. See you.
Stefan, I passed it.